This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22, and my partner on all these pods all year long, as always, has been AJ Scholes. You can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. Well, the NHL playoffs are set to begin the, the Stanley Cup final uh, very soon, uh, AJ, and we can't find anyone who picked the Caps and Knights to get here. Uh, one team is going to get their first ever cup, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that prospect. It's nice to see new blood in here. I know you feel a little bit differently. <laughs> I'm pretty happy to see these new clubs getting a chance at this late stage of the postseason, though, and the storylines pit many familiar foes against one another, despite the fact these are first-time clubs in the in the dance, and I'm certain that you have a heavy allegiance to one team over the other. But before we move on, you and I ran a poll. Uh, tell our listeners all about it and the results, please. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, for our listeners that have been uh, with us all season long, uh, there's been some uh, dispute between Paul and I as to whether or not Mike Smith was a good uh, trade acquisition. Uh, I'm still firmly convinced that he was not uh, based <laughs> on what they gave up in his production. Um, but I did want to settle that dollar to loony bet of which I'm getting the short end due to exchange rates. But uh, I, 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 I digress. Uh, so I put it out there. I just put out the player stats. Most of our listeners knew who we were talking about anyway, but uh, 25, 22 and six with three shutouts at 2.65 goals against average and a 0.916 save percentage, good acquisition or bad acquisition. Now I, to my point, I did not put anything in there about uh, what was given up on the other way, uh, whether it was a trade or an acquisition. Like I said, Stop most of our crying. listeners knew, knew <laughs> who I was talking about anyway. But having said that, 64% of you are dead wrong uh, and think it was a good acquisition. But that's fine. Uh, I will let the masses settle the bet, uh, and I will pay up the dollar bill to Paul Bruno for that one. Excellent. There it is on record on PuckCast. And uh, that'll that presentation will be made in las vegas at our annual function sadly i won't be there but i'm sending a proxy my son writes for nba.com through rotowire and so dan will be there to pick up that dollar 
And I hope it's crisply uh, presented, not one of these folded-up, dirty jobs. Make it a nice-looking one, AJ. Oh, it's going to be crisp when it gets to Vegas. (laughs) Uh, And then it'll spend some time by the pool. It'll spend some time in some pockets. uh, Might get some drinks spilled on it. But at the start of the trip, it's going to start out nice and crisp. Uh, But I'm not sure the one that gets back to you will be quite so pristine. All right. Well, we'll have to put that picture up maybe on our Twitter feeds once that bet has been settled. But I thank you for doing the poll, and I congratulate those of you who contributed to the poll, particularly those who got it right. The solid <laughs> acquisition at the end of the day and uh, our most significant and famous dollar bet in the history of this show, I'll say, AJ. So uh, there we are with the dollar bet finally coming to an end, and I know there are a number of followers that fi- were on you about contributing that thing and, and getting it done <laughs> to me, but finally you found a way to make it official, and I'm glad you did, and Hey, I won. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, uh, AJ, before we move on, though, I know that you want to remind our listeners, as you always do, about an opportunity that we give them. Yeah, if you have uh, any questions uh, throughout the week about, you know, fantasy hockey, hockey in general, uh, daily lineups, if you're playing single game slates, I'll even throw out there, uh, if you have questions about betting uh, props and stuff like that, you know, the big news uh, in the United States here is that uh, they're going to, they've kind of opened up the doors to let uh, decisions on gambling go state to state. So some of you uh, might be uh, getting into that as well. We're happy to answer any questions about those bets. Uh, as well. So uh, if you have those questions, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, you can follow me at AJ Scholes24, and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. Well, we're coming around to the end of another season, partner, and some teams are already making big off-season news since their off-seasons have begun already, and uh, it uh, starts with some of the biggest news closest to home here in Toronto for me, and the front office shakeup that has seen Kyle Dubas become the one of the youngest general managers in in hockey history and uh, at the same time that cost the Leafs two of their other key executives in the in the top levels of the government of this club Lou Lamorello 75 year old genius and hockey hall of famer uh, one of those casualties he he wanted to stay on as general manager but his contract stipulated that it was a three-year deal as GM and then he would go for four years into their uh, senior advisory role for the club. He wanted to stay on as GM, and so that's why he cut ties. But it also cost them a key scout in Mark Hunter, who is maybe the best bird dog out there uh, with the work that he's done in the industry, and he was the highest-paid scout, I, I might add. I found that out recently, AJ. Uh, he was well-regarded uh, in the industry for the work that he's done over his years as being one of those guys who sits in those hockey arenas all year long and uh, really has a sense for who to, how to run a draft and who to pick. And already I can say that he has unner- helped unearth several late-round picks with the Leafs that, that are going to make this club and have already done so in, fa- in some cases uh, in larger numbers and greater frequency than the club has seen in the some, some last 30 years, I'll say. So really uh, a couple of key losses in Toronto. And uh, one of the fallouts from that is uh, Lou Lamarell that didn't stay on the sidelines too long, AJ, and he's got a gig with the Islanders, and we can talk about that. But uh, what's your sense about what happened in Toronto first? 
Well, the kind of most interesting uh, part of that is uh, the deal uh, for for your uh, your head scout there by leaving. He can't join another team uh, until after the draft uh, and the kind of free agency starts. Uh, I thought that was really interesting that he can't go work for another club. There's kind of this like grace period in there. Um, I would be shocked if he didn't end up uh, on the island yeah. uh, with Lou Lamorello. I think uh, that was probably a part of the, the decision to move there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, for for you locally, it's it's going to be a, a kind of big change. But I don't think it's going to affect a ton of the the on ice product that you have. A lot of the guys um, that you already have is probably more down the road. You know what the future holds as you know you bring in a new GM. But for like immediate impact, I'm just not sure it's going to have that big of an impact uh, because the guys are you know who you have and you already got those guys and they're great. Um, I think the bigger impact to what you alluded to is going to be with Tavares uh, in New York. Is this a move that he uh, is on board with? There were reports that him and Lou Lamorello have already spoken. So that's certainly a good sign for Islanders fans. Uh, And so, yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest fallout of this whole shakeup is uh, whether or not that's, you know, the direction that uh, Tavares sees and, and wants to go and uh, how it how it ends up there. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about goalies already on this show, but I'll throw this out there as well. Uh, Lou Lamorello, uh, one of the first tasks that he'll be looking at is fixing the Islanders' goaltending situation. Look what he's done in his previous two stops, AJ, most recently. With the Leafs, he got Freddie Anderson in the fold. Before that, with the Islanders, he brought in Corey Schneider, solidifying the goaltending that had been murky, to say the least, in both of those environs in recent years. And uh, there's no question that the Islanders need help back there, too. So I'm looking around the league to see which goalie might uh, Lou target, and we might even see one of them in the Stanley Cup final. I think Braden Holpe is in a situation where he might be a guy that the Capitals want to I want to move uh, even if he gets the Stanley Cup uh, because he's going to come into the last year of a big dollar contract getting up there in in terms of years uh, you might not want to commit to a guy uh, for long term given that he's right around that 30 year old year mark in terms of his uh, biological age and so that might be a guy that that Lou targets and uh, he he does go after big fish so I'm um, kind of drawing a dotted line there to see if that might happen I wonder what you think about the possibilities Wow. Uh, you know, I don't, I can't imagine Washington would do that, especially after, you know, this, this last series, they were down two games and Holby pitched a pair of shutouts for him. Uh, I, I think for a club that's been so much about changing things all the time, trying to figure out what exactly they need, what exactly it's going to take to get over that hump, to get to a final, finally, uh, to get rid of Holby right away, I think is probably a stretch there. Um, I will say, uh, the Islanders have some assets that they could use to make this move. I mean, they've got two first rounders this season. They've got a pair of second rounders this season as well. Um, so there, there's certainly some pieces here. Uh, it's, it's, it's not an insane idea. Uh, I'll give you that much, uh, but I would be really, really surprised and shocked to see Washington move Holpe, especially if they walked away with the cup. AJ, we have to come up with some hot takes. It's the end of the season here. <laughs> Summer's coming around. People are not going to care about hockey unless we give them some food. 
to think about it uh, in in terms of these these wild projections that we'll make but <laughs> it's not the first one and it's not the last one that we made and so i'm looking forward to what the rest of the offseason will bring certainly free agency is going to become a big issue and evander kane is one of the big fish that's off the board already it looks like he's found life to be very uh, much to his liking now since he joined san uh, san jose and he inked a, an agreement a seven-year deal uh, for $49 million, so kind of setting the bar for uh, top-scoring forwards this offseason, as he was one of the, probably the biggest fish, I'll say. So he's off the books, uh, boards for seven, seven years and $49 million, re-signing with the Sharks. What do you think that says about the marketplace, and what does it mean for the other top forwards out there? Uh, I can think of JVR, of course, in Toronto, and David Perron with the Vegas Knights as the next most sought-after wingers who are pending UFAs, for instance. Yeah, I think for the most part, what you're going to see as far as wingers is this is kind of going to be the cap, right? Like, I don't think any of those guys, I don't think Perron or JVR is going to be able to make an argument that that they're worth more uh, than Evander Kane. You know, you look at some of his comparable contracts, uh, you're talking Kyle Oposo's deal, Milan Lucic, Bobby Ryan, Kyle Terrace. Um, and so I, I don't see Perron or JVR getting much higher than this. I think that's probably uh, what we're going to see, that this is uh, for wingers. This is probably going to be one of the biggest deals uh, of the offseason. Now, uh, there certainly are some other players out there that could earn big deals, uh, you know, that play more of a center role. Uh, I think Rick Nash maybe could get right around this same amount. Um, but Paul Stastny, uh, is a center and John Tavares, obviously, I think those guys are looking at a situation where they could maybe get more, uh, than what, uh, Kane got here. So I think for, for Stastny, and Tavares, you're looking at this is kind of a, a baseline. Okay, this is what he got. We'll go from there. But for the rest of your wingers, uh, I think you're looking here on down. Yeah, I think that's the top of the board has been set, and so everybody will fit in underneath. wonder if the Leafs will take a shot at fitting him in, but they have their own pressing issues with uh, the youngsters that they have to get done. So uh, we'll definitely cover all these issues when, they, when we do see deals later on this summer for sure. But right now, we are tasked with going through the couple of conference final series. But before, just before we do that, I want to say a quick word about FanDuel. Of course, you know, we, we don't have many hockey contests going on. You still have the, the pick one team that you've described and you can pick a player and get twice the bonus points. And then there's smaller fractions for other players to build your lineups. That's a very interesting proposition uh, in terms of the remaining games on FanDuel. But I'm having a little bit of fun, more fun on uh, the baseball side of things, AJ. And it's largely because my favorite team, the Blue Jays, is, is right in the dumper already. And, and it's really <laughs> neat to look at FanDuel as a resource when when your real team kind of goes south. And so I'm spending more time on FanDuel uh, on the baseball side just to, as a balm to, to soothe me over the fact that I have to watch this team play another 100 games. And <laughs> it's largely going to be meaningless baseball. So uh, having a little bit of, bit of fun on FanDuel, building my own team on a daily basis is going to get me through this grind, AJ. Yeah, I mean, for for those of you that are like me that are are not really baseball, uh, you know, experts out there, 
Uh, I think there's a ton of great tools on RotoWire that can really help if you're interested in playing these daily contests. Uh, just this week, uh, for our RotoWire contest, I finished 15th out of 42. Uh, that's pretty good for a guy who doesn't really know much uh, outside of, you know, you run the bases after you hit the ball. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, some great tools. They've got team trends, uh, they got batter versus pitcher matchups, obviously, the lineup optimizer. And even within the optimizer, they've got some uh, awesome tools. You can kind of look at guys. Uh, versus specific pitcher versus pitcher hand uh, last seven days home away a ton of different tools and kind of ways to help you build that lineup that'll hopefully separate you from the rest of the pack and win money and over two and a half million players have actually won a cash prize playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW of course these contests are void we're prohibited we hope that we can lift that last line sooner rather than later with some of the developments that you alluded to earlier in the show AJ but uh, we're going to continue having fun with FanDuel as long as uh, that opportunity exists for us and uh, I've had a great time with it for sure Uh, and now let's get into the series that have just been completed a summary of the last round we were both on the wrong side of the the series AJ but that speaks I I think more to the fact that these were tight tightly contested uh, in both sections of of the both conferences let's break down the Jets versus Vegas of course Vegas won that series in six uh, six games we both had the Jets taking it in six uh the the night story just continues to get bigger and better yeah I mean everything uh that they did in in prior series they've just continued to do I mean their scores uh in March Assault uh Neil Carlson just continue to roll Marc-Andre Fleury uh was basically after losing that first game was almost unbeatable in the next four, uh, put a 1.5, uh, goals against average 0.956 save percentage in those four wins. Uh, and if, if you've got a guy that's only given up at max two goals a game, uh, especially with the kind of offense that they can generate out of that top line. Uh, and it's not just the top line either, you know, Ryan Reeves getting in on it with the goal, uh, in the game there. And so, uh, get a little bit of depth options there and the defense just continues to be solid. They, they don't, uh, give up many, uh, opportunities for other teams. They kind of shut things down. So, uh, they just did what they've continued to do, uh, all season long and in all postseason, And it was just a little bit too much for the jets. Whose offense really fell flat. Uh, you look at, you know, that third line of Perot, uh, little Roslavich, uh, they, you know, put up some points during the regular season and did really well. This was a team that had a ton of depth as scoring options, you know, fourth liners on this team, uh, contributed at times as well. And it just completely went away, uh, in the postseason, and, and they became over-reliant really on just Mark Shifley, in my opinion. And then he dried up in the last two games, uh, and then there was nobody else able to score. So uh, really just uh, Vegas kind of grinding everything down, winning out tight games. Uh, and, you know, I expect to see more of that in the Stanley Cup final. And, uh, you know, you look at the other side and uh, of the in terms of the center position uh, is where the thing really is glaring to me. The Vegas Knights can roll four quality centers that can skate all night long. Carlson, Halla, Eakin, 
and Belmare, uh, particularly Eakin and Carlson, they've been first-line centers before. Hall has been kind of a depth guy, and so has Belmare, too, I guess. But in this setup, boy, oh, boy, these guys can all, can all wheel and deal. And uh, I think that gave them a tremendous edge over the Jets. As you say, they became a one-line team in the playoffs. And to, to me, that was the glaring difference here. Uh, you, uh, before we started this series, I thought the physicality of the Jets would grind the uh, the Knights, but their speed and their consistency and their ability to roll these four lines round these four centers, to me, was the ultimate difference maker. And you talked about that no-name defense, too. They uh, certainly are outclassed when you look at the the on paper the the matchup between the two sets of defense groups but this team looks more and more like the pittsburgh club last year last two years that won the cup Uh, aj you can certainly make that case and they did it with nondescript defense in terms of the name quality but they play a button down game and of course behind all that is the odds on favor for the con Smythe trophy you didn't say it i will mark andre fleury it's his trophy to lose here and the only guy that will threaten him is of course uh, the captain of the caps and that brings us to a study of the most recent series that they completed they edged out tampa why don't you break down that series for us as well yeah it it, kind of the same thing in in a lot of ways uh solid goaltending in the last two games uh i mentioned hope he got the the back-to-back shutouts uh going you know in those last two games to earn the win uh and they really you know, didn't get a lot of production out of their top, top guys here. You know, you look at the last three games, zero points for Steven Stamkos. Uh, I recently saw, uh, some stats. I don't have it right in front of me, but he has been relatively ineffective in his career in, uh, series clinching games, uh, and just hasn't been able to step up at those times. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, uh, again, no goals in the last four games against Washington, just one assist over that stretch. Uh, and so really just the top line faded and, and there's not a ton of depth, you know, it's a little surprising, you know, in the regular season, I think we talked about Tampa's depth a lot. It seemed like they had a second and third line that could really produce for them. Those guys really dropped off. Uh, once the playoffs came along, uh, JT Miller, a guy who they brought in at the trade deadline, one assist in the seven game series against Washington. Uh, he's another player that we would have expected a little more out of there. Uh, Vasilevsky was obviously the, the leader on this team. You know, he never gave up too many goals, uh, three in that last game. But other than that, he really buttoned it up uh, and just didn't get any offensive support. And so for me, it really breaks down to just those two things that kind of define this series, uh, a lack of scoring from Tampa Bay because of how uh, how good Holpe was at the end. And Washington didn't have to do too much. Um, you know, they they've got they've got some guys that can produce. They've been getting depth scoring. Uh, obviously, Ovechkin has been playing well uh, on top of everything. But there's just uh, there wasn't enough uh, from enough guys on Tampa Bay to get past Braden Hopi. And to your point, to underline that, you look no further than their top scorers, Nikita Kucherov and Stan, uh, Steven Samkos. They were pretty much MIA here in terms of five-on-five play. I want to talk about that a little bit, AJ, with you, because uh, we've heard a lot about Corsi and Fenwick and puck possession and all that sort of thing. All those numbers pointed to an edge at the end of the series for Tampa. But Washington really had the advantage in terms of shots on goal and scoring chances in this series. So I've been a guy who says, you know, these puck possession things don't mean anything. It's what you do when you have the puck. And that latter fact is really what was underscored in this series. 
Five on five, the Caps were the better team. The only reason it went six games is because Tampa had uh, so many power play opportunities, and, and they took advantage of them a couple of times. But really, for the most part, the Caps were a dominant team here, and it was their physicality that really grinded on, on Tampa uh, throughout this series. Uh, uh, a couple of their heavyweights on the Washington side really, really shone through. Uh, Wilson was a monster uh, in, the, in this set, too, and I think he's going to be a handful going forward for for the lightning uh, maybe ryan reeves you mentioned him will have to step up <laughs> and and tell him to settle down because that that uh, physicality that the caps brought in the last two games really was a deciding factor for me and uh, it spoke to how how desperate uh, the caps did look and i think that's really why they won the game i mean there was a sound bite at the end of game six where the coach for tampa took a look at the hits in the game, if you'll recall, and it was 39 to 19 in favor of Washington. And he says, look, what that tells you is one team showed up and the other one didn't. And that's exactly what happened game six and seven. And you already said Holtby was the backstop there, uh, producing perfect goaltending in those two games. So when the chips were down and, and the stakes were the highest, the Caps did what they had to do and, and really found the way to get it done. But to me, this was a series that uh, flies in the face of the analytics hounds who are all over the first of uh, the second set of analytics. I'm, of course, very linked to the first set since I was intimately involved with that way back in the early 90s. And I'll say it's the events, the critical events are those that are really measurable by individual play. The guy who makes the hit, the guy who gets the turnover, the guy who create, who is guilty of the turnover, and a guy who makes the good shot. All those factors fly uh, directly into the scoring opportunities. It doesn't matter who has the puck. Uh, and then if you're a linemate of his, you get, the, you get the bump from being on the ice with a guy like that who has the puck on his string all the time. So there are some flaws in the new analytics, and it was underscored for me in this particular series. So uh, I'm glad that uh, we have this as a kind of an Exhibit A when we talk about that sort of thing. But, uh, AJ, we, we touted this show as a chance to talk about this improbable final series. We have Vegas against Washington. You can, uh, you can, I, I can say this is the best expansion team against the worst expansion team. That way back <laughs> in 1974, when the Caps came into play, they put a terrible record together of eight wins, 67 losses, and five ties. They only won one road game, AJ, that year. Yikes. It was in Toronto. <laughs> I remember that very well, too. So, uh, you know, it's kind of ironic that we have the expansion stories that from one end of the spectrum to the other represented here. Of course, Washington Capitals have come a long way. They've been knocking on the door for a long while. Maybe their Stanley Cup, in your eyes, has already been achieved by beating the Pittsburgh Penguins. But they get to play for the real thing against the Vegas Golden Knights here. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely an interesting storyline. Uh, for me, you know, the two are uh, obviously everything uh, that happened, uh, not only uh, with the expansion team, but uh, that tragic shooting at the start of the season. Uh, and I was just having a discussion with somebody here in the, the office yesterday. Uh, and really, I think if you factor in off ice considerations, I think you have to look at Derek England as the second best p- pick this team made. Uh, obviously I think flurry is the number one. He's led yeah. this team. He's the face of the franchise, but England, his knowledge of the city, his ability to help his teammates get ingrained in the community. Uh, and you know, that hometown boy kind of fan side of it as well. Uh, I really think 
Derek England uh, was the second best pick they made. And, and that's not a knock on uh, Jonathan Marchessault, who uh, is a close third, call him a two B right behind him for, for the on ice production. But um, so that's all those storylines are great. You've got flurry in a third uh, straight Stanley cup final. And then on the other side, you're talking Alexander Ovechkin, his first real chance to actually win uh, the, the Stanley cup here has not been to a Stanley cup final before uh, has, as you said, they've knocked on the door for a very long time uh, and are finally getting there. And can they actually close the deal? Uh, so two really uh, very interesting storylines in the series. Well, and let's do as we always did with the other series and see where we, where we put the check marks. We'll begin in the nets and say it's Marc-Andre Fleury against Braden Holtby for the cup. These guys have met before, and Fleury has a decided advantage in terms of the head-to-head history in the playoffs. But Holtby, you've you got to say, has matched him save for save in the last round for sure. And so uh, these two guys at the top of their game, we might be seeing a lot of low-scoring hockey games AJ, if these guys continue to be on point as much as they are, I already said for my money, and I think you'll agree, the Conn Smythe Trophy favorite has to be Marc-Andre Fleury, but Holtby has to be in that consideration too, just for the way he's rebounded. And you got to consider too, this is a guy who didn't even start the first game of the playoffs. Uh, he was bumped in a surprising move because he struggled down the stretch, but boy, has he got his game together right now. There is a disparity here, but I don't think it's as big as most other people are, are portraying it. I'll give a small check mark in favor of Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, despite the fact that I do think he's the runaway candidate for the Smythe today. Yeah, you won't get any disagreement from me on on, on the the gap here. Uh, I do think Flurry has the edge, but I don't think it's a you know a, a head and tails kind of one way or the other. Uh, you mentioned Flurry has the historical advantage here. He's faced the Capitals uh, in three postseason series uh, has never lost, including last year. Uh, he was the one, not Matt Murray, that took that series against Washington last year. Uh, and you look at his regular season numbers against Washington, 22-12-2 with a .914 save percentage. So this is a team that he's familiar with. He knows uh, you know, what they offer on the ice. Uh, has Did actually, I I know they played Washington twice this year, but I wasn't sure originally if Fleury was uh, involved in those games because he had that long injury stretch, but he did actually play both and got a shutout in one of those again. So uh, historical numbers edge towards Fleury. You've got uh, Holpe playing uh, his usual consistent best, uh, but you have Marc-Andre Fleury playing the best hockey he's ever played, and that's saying a lot for a three-time Stanley Cup champion. So Fleury with the edge, but it's not as far as some might want you to believe. Yeah, and in defense, uh, of course, just like in the last series, the Caps do have the uh, big na- biggest name uh, of the two sets of defensemen. John Carlson, he's on the eve of becoming a very wealthy guy in terms of a pending UFA status. He had a pretty nice series uh, against against Tampa, producing a pile of assists and good possession numbers. I'll say that just in defense of that a group of analytics hounds who, who talk about this sort of thing. That's Carlson's game. He likes to have the puck a lot, and a lot of good things happen when he does have it. So that's one instance where I think it's an accurate measure. Uh, so I'll say uh, it might sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I want to be consistent <laughs> in terms of giving the accolades when they're appropriate here. So Carlson, definitely the name recognition guy uh, among all defenders for their on-ice work. 
uh, Matt Niskanen is a guy I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves should deserve AJ I really like this guy's game too solid two-way guy who uh, is a pretty good 1B in terms of the power play quarterback when Carlson has to take a rest Matt Niskanen is there as an excellent puck mover but beyond that it's a bunch of guys named Joe in my opinion Kempney Orloff Juice and Orpik who are kind of holding the fort and playing more of a defensive shutdown kind of a situation here for the Caps. And on the other side, you've got a similar breakdown in Vegas where there aren't any name recognition guys, though Nate Schmidt's been producing great sound bites after a lot of these games. I love his postgame enthusiasm. And you mentioned England as well for the attachment that he has to his hometown. And, of course, I've spoken all year long about Colin Miller, what a skilled guy he is. Braden McNabb, another guy with a heavy shot. Shea Theodore, another guy who has some great offensive skills that we're seeing come out uh, periodically this season and Lucas Bisa rounds out the top six there so uh, really not some not so many high-end options but some really good B to B plus quality type defenders across the board for both teams and I can't I can't make a decision here I'm going to say a slight edge to the Caps just because they have the biggest name among the two sets of defensemen so there you go yeah, I, I, I do agree. It's pretty close. Uh, I think what's interesting is, uh, you know, you look at Vegas, who is coming in uh, being touted as the, the unheralded defensive core, and none of their guys play, uh, have been playing over 25 minutes in the postseason. Yeah. You've got uh, Nate Schmidt at 2453. Um, but I think that's a little misleading. Uh, you know, Washington doesn't necessarily have huge minute eater guys either. Uh, Matt Niskanen is only 2531. That's not outrageous. And even John Carlson is 2559. So call it 26 minutes a night. Uh, neither one of these teams is relying on a Chris Letang, uh, you know, Victor Hedman, uh, Eric Carlson, 28, 29 minute night. They are both kind of spreading it out a little bit, but Washington is just doing it a little less uh, than than Vegas. For me, what separates the two sides is the offensive production from the blue line here. You know, you talked about Carlson, but if you look at the whole uh, decor as a group, Washington's defensemen have scored 39 points to Vegas's just 23. Uh, so you're getting a, a good extra clip there of uh, you know of production from that that blue line. And so for me, that's what separates these two groups. Uh, I give the nod to to uh, the Capitals on this one. And then uh, the forwards, I, th I bet you will have a disagreement here, AJ, but that's going to be uh, my anticipation here, uh, largely because I already talked about the, the four centers that Vegas can offer. I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about what Washington has. And we saw Nicholas Backstrom getting a little bit healthier. He produced three points in the last few games of that uh, most recent series. So his game's coming around, and uh, he's one of the best uh, playmakers in hockey when he's healthy. And you pair him with Evgeny Kuznetsov, that's a very solid one-two. But it's the three and four guys that have kind of uh, jumped out at me in these playoffs. Lars Eller has, has been an exceptional uh, contributor uh, in terms of the overall game. Sound two-way play, contributing offensively. Kind of a fluky goal that, that helped out early in, earlier in these playoffs, but it's on, the, on his ledger. And then the fourth guy, one of the best face-off guys in hockey. And again, we talk about that uh, as a tie-in to puck possession. That's Jay Beagle. He's going to have uh, the responsibility of, of matching up with the bottom these two guys are going to have the matchup with the bottom two guys on the Vegas side mitigating their advantage that they've had over other teams in these playoffs running uh, four solid lines 
through uh, top notch one to four uh, on both sides of the coin here. So I really like the Vegas forwards. I already told you the the centers there are uh, they've they've really been a set, obviously a key to the offense of flow there but I think Washington matches them here and then you start to look for the difference makers on the wings everybody knows Alex Ovechkin has had an outstanding playoff but I mentioned Tom Wilson this guy uh, uh, was a s- surprise move to put him on the first line but you saw it in spades in the last series how much value this guy brings to the table and how how just he gives a hundred hundred percent to the max every time he's out on the ice there and he's doing all the little things and some of the big things you need to swing the momentum he can even drop in the gloves you've got to say that was a factor in the last game too just just showing the opposition what these guys were willing to do to win and it spurred the rest of the team to to really amp up the hitting and i think if they do that the Winnipeg Jets didn't slow down the Vegas Knights, but I think the, the Caps, with their heavy uh, play, could finally find a way to to stop them. And so I'm going to I'm spending most of my time talking about the Caps because I I know you'll have a lot to say about the other guys. But I'll wrap it up by saying also Andre Burakovsky is a guy I'm really high on in terms of another winger here. Uh, we know oh she's going to bring it. Jakob Vrana has had a pretty up and down postseason. Devante Smith Petley, a veteran who is their only injury concern, uh, has been a key performer. But Burakovsky, for me, he scored a couple of goals in that deciding game, and maybe he's about ready to go on a streak that will help these guys get over the hump and win this series. I think that he could be a real wild card for the Caps. But that's my look at the offense on Washington. I'm curious to say what, see what you say about them. Well, I, I think this is pretty even in terms of the forward depth. I want to see if you disagree. No, I don't. I, I think it evens out uh, pretty well. You've got, in both cases, you've got some top uh, top producers. Uh, Kuznetskov, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie are kind of the top uh, four for Washington. And then on the flip side for Vegas, you know, March Assault, Smith, Carlson, and Took. I think what's interesting is if you just took their numbers uh, and and didn't look at anything else. Their offensive numbers, you might uh, give a heavy advantage to Washington. You know, March Assault leads uh, the Golden Knights forwards with 18 points. Uh, that's uh, kind of a low compared to Kuznetsov has 24, Ovechkin has 22. Uh, but part of that factor is that the the Golden Knights just haven't needed to score that much. I think believing that the the lack of uh, high numbered guys on their team means they can't score will put you in a bad position uh when you're you know picking this these games i think uh the golden knights have all the scoring that they need uh you know march assault uh will obviously be the leader on this team alex Tuke is a guy uh that i really think uh is kind of uh under underappreciated in some ways uh doesn't necessarily get that top line assignment uh james neal has just nine points uh you know that's a i would have expected him to be up there a little bit more uh so he's capable of turning it on uh and david perron no goals uh just seven assists right now but let's not forget this is a guy that's been a 20 goal scorer in the past and is certainly capable of it now uh throughout our you know, earlier previews, I've questioned Washington's depth. Uh, I'm going to not do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> obviously, their depth guys have found ways to contribute. You know, you mentioned Devontae Smith Pelly. Uh, he's got four goals in the postseason. Uh, you know, that's not really uh, what I would have expected out of, guy, out of a guy who only had seven goals in the regular season. So, uh, you know, there, there are reasons why 
uh, you could be concerned about it, but they just haven't shown up in the postseason. These guys are finding ways to contribute uh, so that it doesn't all have to be on Alexander Ovechkin. Now, fortunately, he's producing as well, and maybe some of that is because he's getting depth support, but I think it's I think it's very close uh, between these two teams. I think the numbers can be a little bit misleading because, you know, the the high number guy just isn't there on on Vegas. But both teams have 14 different players that have scored at least a point in the playoffs. So they're both relying on depth. They've both kind of got you mentioned Burakovsky. He hasn't played in in a lot of the games, has been benched a couple of times. Uh, you know, Vegas can kind of counter that with Thomas Tatar, uh, who's only played in six games. Uh, I think uh, Vegas has won five of those six games. So I'm wondering maybe they'll start to play him a little bit more here towards the end. And so uh, I think it's pretty evenly matched. Uh, it's hard not to give the edge to to Ovechkin, though. Uh, you know, he can take over the game unlike anybody else in in this matchup march assault just simply doesn't have that capability he's not at the same level as alexander ovechkin so i i might give a slight edge to washington in, in this combination here but uh it's it's razor thin in, in my opinion yeah and then people are looking at the playoffs scoring totals to date you got to remember too vegas has dispatched each of the, each of their prior opponents very quickly where washington has been involved in some longer series so the disparity in scoring leaders is is accountable largely because of that fact so don't fret too much about the fact that you don't see the big scoring totals on the vegas side it just means that they've kicked ass to get rid of teams so quickly that they haven't needed to score a lot of goals because they have played fewer games so that's the name of that tune aj it's time to put our uh, our thoughts to who's going to win this series uh i'm going to let you lead off yeah i i just think uh everything has been going uh just perfectly for vegas uh you know i a lot of people have lost a lot of money this year uh, i think picking against them uh, it's not a, a decision I'm going to make. I'm going to go with the Golden Knights. Uh, I think this series is going to take longer than what they've uh, seen in the other one. I expect a, a seven game. I'll go seven. I'll go Knights and seven on this one. I think Mark Andre Fleury has just been too good, uh, and I think his uh, you know his skill set right now is the best it's ever been. Uh, and I just don't see uh, Alexander Ovechkin being able to lead his team past their old foe, New Jersey, same old uh, opponent here in this one. So for me, I'm going to take the Golden Knights in seven games. Well, and I'm going to make sure that at least one of us is right here, AJ. I'm going to take the other side and say Washington finally gets their first cup win. Uh, Vegas Knights, what can you say? The story that they've written all year has been the most improbable that I've ever seen. Uh, so that's not t- my pick is not taking anything away from them at all. In fact, the the reason I'm picking Washington is just because I think it's time Ovechkin gets that first Stanley Cup, and he's playing like a man possessed, and his team is rallying around him, and and this is something that is a big deal in the dressing room. For, for the Caps, when they have a real rallying point such as this, your team leader is finally within a grasp of, of the Holy Grail. And I know it's a great story that Vegas has written, and certainly they're rallying around uh, England and, and uh, Fleury, uh, as you implied. But I just think the star power uh, of Ovechkin eclipses uh, flurry finally and and he vanquishes his longtime a- adversary in this one. The storylines are 
too too many here to go through, but these are we've covered a few of them in this episode, and I just want to make the case that I think it's time for Washington, but uh, certainly, again, not taking anything away from the Knights. Yeah, absolutely not. It's it's a uh, it'll be a fun series to watch. If if nothing else, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, it can be easy to uh, tune out when your team gets eliminated. Uh, something I'm I'm not familiar with uh, until this year, but. <laughs> There have been plenty of good storylines, plenty of good matchups, uh, and it should be a fun seven-game series. Yeah, it's one time where I don't mind whichever team wins. Usually I have a rooting interest that's more pronounced, but in this case, I feel good about either outcome, and so there's no loser for me in this one uh, in in that respect. Before we wrap it up, I want to remind our listeners that we are a little more sporadic in terms of not being a week-to-week production, so keep an eye on our Twitter feeds. We'll come back to you a little bit later in the summer months uh, and a little less frequently, so the next projected time is right on the eve of free agency and after the awards show, so it might be a good time in the latter part of June to circle back. We'll certainly keep you posted with our intentions, but that's what we're projecting at the moment for the next episode of Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our hockey coverage this year, and uh, that wraps it up for us. So uh, stay on us, though, and send us your comments and questions as we Im- invite you every week uh, so you get all the news and, and, and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. 